Good to see you all. We're at week nine. Say nine. Nine. Week nine. Nine weeks. Okay, Colossians. It's only four chapters. All right, but nine weeks. It's incredible. What a tiny book, but it is rammed with potency, isn't it? Fantastic. You enjoying the series? And uh, so today I want to talk about Jesus is greater than yesterday. Amen, isn't he? Praise the Lord. I just know by the grace of God in my own life, I used to have a past, now I have a present, now I, and, and I have a possible. Okay, that's what grace does. It moves me from the past to the possible in Jesus, and that's for all of us, amen? And uh, we love the Lord, we love Jesus. So if the Bible with you, please open it at uh, Colossians chapter 3, brand new chapter we're starting today. And... Um, yeah, we're going to do the first 11 verses, the first little section. So if it's on your phone or your tablet or whatever you have, you've got paper, uh, just whatever, Bible, bring a Bible to church. Amen? Amen. Hip, hip. All right. And uh, here we go. Then, And I think this is probably, of, of all the, you know, over the years, okay, of reading Colossians and, you know, looking at stuff like this, uh, I think probably the, the first part of chapter 3 is probably my favorite of Colossians, okay? And, uh, and I'll, I'll explain probably why in a little moment. And Paul writes this, we're going to uh, verses 3 to 11. He goes, since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And I love verse 3, okay? For you died and your life, now your new life, is now hidden with Christ in God. I love that verse, and I'm going to unpack it in a little while, okay? For you died, the old you died, and the new you is now hidden in Christ who is in God. That's a beautiful thing right there. Verse 4, when Christ then who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And as a result of the new life, okay, here's how we are to live then. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and uh, what else we got? Greed, which is idolatry. Verse 6 then, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And then he says, you used to walk in those ways. Thanks, Paul. You're making it real right there. Uh, you know, we're trying to forget about all of that stuff. And then Paul goes, but that was you in the life you once lived, but now, beautiful little hinge, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. And then there's another list, okay? Anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. And if it wasn't enough, he still goes on. List number three, okay? Do not lie to each other, by the way, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Okay, and I'm going to come back to verse 10. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all. And that's it in all. Amen. And that's what we're all about. It's Christ is all and Christ is in all. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray for a little minute. Father, and we just thank you, Lord, for uh, these incredible words. It's been a wonderful journey, Lord, through uh, Colossians, through your word. Uh, and Father, for all of us in this room have been part of this series, we have discovered and rediscovered you all over again. There have been elements to your life and the image of God and, and the principalities and powers and where we're seated and what we can have and what we do have. And Lord, so 
much richness to this text. And yet as we come along to today, Lord, in the kind of the practical application of it, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help us lean into the bits you've brought us into this room to hear. And uh, the, the goal is Jesus. He is all and he is in all. And we pray, Lord, that he would be in this room, but more than that, he would be in each of us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at any sort of, uh, sort of Pauline literature, if you look at Romans or any of the epistles, any of the letters, you will, if, if you study it long enough and hard enough, you will discover a pattern, uh, the, way, the way that Paul writes. He writes in four or five kind of categories, and he puts things in certain order. So for example, when you read an ancient letter that Paul would write, and I think it was the custom, not just uh, uh, familiar, to, particular to Paul, it was everyone who wrote a letter. Let's say you and I write a letter. We would go, dear, dear Alan, and we'd sign it, you're sincerely Brian, okay? The way they would write a letter back then was they'd put my name at the front. It's Brian here. And then it would go, thanks, Alan, for reading the letter at the end. They would flip it all around, okay? So that's, that's one of the big sort of markers of how Paul would write a letter. Then he would begin with a greeting about the grace of God. I, Paul, a servant of Jesus, etc., etc. And he would write and give his own credentials as to why we should listen to him, okay? Because Paul set himself as an apostle. And not many people that knew Paul used to know him from the past. They were afraid of Paul. And so Paul had to set out his credentials of why he was worth reading in this letter. And so he would lay all of that out at the start of the letter. Then he would typically address a problem or a tension that was going on in the church. And he'd blast that with theology, okay? Who loves a good dose of theology? Well, we do a bit, kind of like, but go easy. You know what I mean? It's early. You know what I'm saying to you? Uh, so he, when Paul brings it, but always, always, always with Paul, you get to a certain stage in the letter where he brings the application of the theology, okay? It's really important in life that we know the theology, but you also know the application of the life that theology releases, amen? We need good theology. We need smart Christians. No? Yes, no, no, we definitely do, okay? We need people to know what it is we believe and then why we believe it. That's good. That's better. All right. Phew. All right. We do love theology. All right. And, and so Paul does this. And so when we get to chapter three, and this is why I'm mentioning it, chapter three and chapter four then become, you know, kind of the application of the first couple. Now, there is application and life lessons in the first couple of chapters for sure. But when we get to chapter three, Paul then really expands it. And he makes it quite explicit how we are to live in the light of everything that he's just written in the first couple of chapters, okay? So that's kind of where we're getting, and this is where we are headed. And so with all of that said, what I said earlier, the title of this talk then is Jesus is greater than yesterday, all right? And so I've got three things that I want to share with you today. And the first thing is this. I want to encourage you, as Paul's going to hopefully help us understand, to live in the world you're in, okay? Live in the world that you are in. Earlier in May, okay, I, I was over in Chicago and I was connecting with uh, some U.S. leaders who are church leaders over there who are very keen to help Irish church leaders plant churches in Ireland, okay? And the idea is that they would adopt a new church plant, they would relate to it for three years, pour in some money and blessing and prayers and connection and teams, and it would all go according to plan. And one of the guys that I met was a guy called Pastor Joey Silva. I think I've got a picture of Joey here with his family, because I want you to meet him. And is he, is he there? There he is, okay? He's just had a little baby. That's his wife, Cicely. This is Luca. He's about six months old, and there's Joey Bass Pro Shop, man of God, okay? And so this is who he is, and he's got a fantastic kind of church church in, uh, in uh, Belmont Assembly Church on the outskirts or in the district of Chicago, uh, one of the suburbs. Phenomenal thing, okay? And what you need to know about jo Joey is that when you visit Chicago, before you go, ring him. 
okay? He knows where to go. He knows where to eat. He knows what to see. He knows where to visit. He knows places that, that are so good, they haven't, met the, they haven't made the guide yet. They know the guidebooks. He knows before it reaches everywhere else. Not even Google knows. Joey knows. Don't Google it. Joey it, okay? So he knows all of this stuff where to take you. So I've landed in. He picks me up at the airport. He takes me to the hotel. Curiously, though, however, he did follow me up to my room while I got a shower. I'll wait out here on your sofa. I went, okay. I was hoping you'd maybe do reception, but still, that's fine. You know, I, we're, we're, we're jumping deep end, all right? Very friendly. Never mind, okay. I'm, I'm drying off and I'm not stepping out of that room. That's it. Anyway, that's by the by. You can cut that out, okay? And uh, so end, into the car with him and he takes you to all these places that, you know, that, um, that he knows. And so being Chicago, it's like 40 cities in one, okay? And so we went off to Japan, okay? And he took me off to Ramen Noodles Place. We went off to some Puerto Rican place. I don't know what it was that he was feeding me. It was banana leaves. I don't know what it was, but it was fantastic. It was awesome. Then he took me somewhere to Spain or somewhere Spanish thing. And a paella, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. But it was fantastic. It really, really was. And then we went to this place. Look at this, okay? This is in Chicago, right? In Chicago. But it's little Mexico. All right? Look at it. The Mexican, no stars and stripes here, not a chance. We're going to Mexico in Chicago. It's like, okay, all right. Benvenue, a little village, whatever that says, Benvenue, whatever. Welcome to that, okay, wherever. And so, that, and I'm telling you, we got out of the car in the car pot parking lot. I'm all American. And it was like walking down Mexico, I'd imagine. I've never been to Mexico. Mexico. I've just remembered <laughs> this. I better get this right. How would you say that? Okay, I'll let you. <laughs> That's lovely. Good. And uh, I hope you all heard that. I'm not even going to try. And honestly, there was people, I'm not, this is very stereotypical, <laughs> this, please. but this happened. There were people in the streets playing guitars, and there were street sellers, and there was the sound of Mexico, it was the sight of Mexico, it was the smell of Mexico, I'd imagine. It was phenomenal, right? And he took me to this Mexican restaurant, and it was nothing fancy, but it was amazing. All the locals were there, okay? Mexicans and Ireland, okay? I was sitting there going, eat quick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not sure what's about to happen here, but it was unreal. And so we're sitting across the table having all these burritos and whatever else. You know, Joey, he doesn't order just one course. You know what I'm saying? Look at him. You know, he's, he orders, right? And so he just sample all of Mexico, get it in here, right? Okay. And I'm sitting there giving all of whatever. And, it's, and I'm saying to him with a mouthful of stuff, man, this is fantastic stuff, right? And then he said this, sure thing, I want you to get a flavor of the culture you're in. I thought, wow, right, okay. And when somebody says something like that, I write it down because it's something that goes off in my head. And so what he was saying, in other words, since we're in Mexico, Joey's saying, I'm not going to give you a burger. I'm not going to give you a hot dog. I'm not going to give you ramen noodles. We're in Mexico. I'm going to give you Mexican stuff. I'm going to give you of the flavor of the culture of the world you're in. And here's the thing, though. I was learning that I could be in two places at the one time. I was in Chicago. I did have to check, okay, did I fly into Chicago? Am I still here? And I was in the middle of Mexico, two places at the same time. 
It's an incredible thing. And this is the point that Paul is making at the start of chapter 3. Look again with me at Colossians 3, 1 to 3. I've got the amplified version, okay? So the amplified kind of adds bits in just to kind of expound and explore what the text says. And he says this, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, right, to a new life, sharing in his resurrection, sharing, In his resurrection, how good is that? We get to share in his resurrection. In other words, our new life is tied to his resurrection. Yes, we died with him. We rise with him. We share in his life from the dead. Keep keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then he says, set your mind and keep focused habitually. Make it a habit, okay, on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth which have only temporal value. Again, it's that flick from the temporal to the eternal. And then he says, why? Because you died to this world and your new real life. So we say this, I'm going out in the real world, we're a church today, but in the real world, no, 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 this is the real world. This is the real life that you are living in, hidden with Christ in God. It's an amazing thing. Paul is saying to the Colossians, and he's saying to you and me, you've changed. You have changed. You're not who you used to be. You've been raised to a new life. Even though you still live in Chicago, Colossae, you can still live in heaven, in Mexico. You can be in two places at the one time. You can live in two environments, but make sure that you're only eating of the table of the culture you're in. Only eat the good stuff that heaven provides. You're connected to a higher world because of Jesus. You think differently, you feel differently because why? Jesus has touched your heart and he's touched your mind. And I love this, the hearts and minds. Whenever politicians, in the next 18 months, you and I, north and south, are going to be subjected to general elections. (sighs) (sighs) Biggest cure of insomnia ever, okay? It's just drivel, okay? And uh, the law, just don't even. uh, But you will hear this all the time. We're on a mission for hearts and minds. We're on an exercise. We're winning hearts and minds. Not just heart or just mind. They want hearts and minds. When an army goes to invade and they try to do a number on the population, it's a hearts and minds exercise with the population. That's what they talk about. And the reason they go for hearts and minds, everyone, is that your heart and your mind combined is the ethical and moral center of who you are. It is the decision-making seat of who you are. So when Jesus has your heart and when Jesus has your mind, then we are equipped and empowered to live life at the next level because that's who has our hearts and minds. And here's how it works. Cue the Russian doll. Can you see this wee doll? This might squeal. Okay, this is God, by the way. Okay. Now, you're ready for Jesus. Hey! There he is, little Russian doll, okay? This is him, and then this is you. You see yourself? And here's what Paul says. Your life is hidden in Christ, who is in God. Do you see where you are? Do you see what you're surrounded by? 
Do you see the filter and the lens through which you are empowered to live your life? I can't do it. No, you can do it. And you don't have to do it yourself. You can do it because Jesus has you surrounded and the Father is surrounding him in Jesus' name. Amen? That's how you can do it. That's how this works. So when you look out on life and the world is thinking this way, you're empowered to think prophetically and optimistically. Why? Because you're surrounded in Jesus. Your new life is surrounded in him. He becomes the filter through which you view life. Why? Because he has your head and he has your heart. I think of the children of Israel. They're in the wilderness. Moses is on the mountain. He's getting the the download, the new, if you like, moral constitution we know as the Ten Commandments. He's up there. He's not away five minutes. And what are the kids doing? Have you any gold? Have you any gold? Give us your necklace. Give us your earrings. Give us your stuff. Where's that stuff we took out of Egypt? Get a fire going. Has anybody got the mold of a calf? Let's mold a calf. I've got a mold of a calf. I can make a mold of... Good. Melt that gold down. Pour that gold into this mold of a calf. Then we'll make this idol of a gold calf. Because Moses is gone and we'll worship that. Where did they get the idea to fall down and worship animals made in gold? Where did they get that idea from? Egypt. So you can leave Egypt, but it's harder for Egypt to leave you. Amen? And we can go back. And so we we have to understand this. We have to understand what we have and whose we are and whom we are surrounded by in this new life. Because if we don't, we can look through life through cold eyes, through betrayed eyes, through bitter eyes, through broken eyes, through damaged eyes, and all of those things can be real to you. But because of Jesus, we can still have those wounds and those memories, but they don't determine how we view ourselves or how we view the world. The church of Jesus Christ on this beautiful island we call home is the most optimistic, life-giving, life-changing ensemble of people in the world, and this is why. Amen? Through his help and his strength and his anointing and his grace and his glory, we can live and see life in a brand new way. That's who he is. So when you get up for work tomorrow, whistle. It's going to be cold. It's, it's, it's almost like scarf weather now, isn't it? Kind of like it was coat a while ago. Now it's coat and scarf. Probably some of you have the hat on. Anyone got the hat on, big lad? You got the hat on? Yes? It's time for the woolly hat. You've got it on already. Inside. Taking no chances. I'm with you. Look at this solar panel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying there? I'm not losing her. I'm gaining face. Right? That's, that's true. You're losing. I'm not. I'm just getting more face. That's what I have. It'll be back to here soon. You've got to get the hat. It's cold. But when you get up tomorrow, whistle. I don't like where I live. Whistle. I don't have a car. I've got to get the Lewis. Whistle. I don't have enough money. I'm scared of Christmas. Whistle. Get up and go because you are surrounded by Jesus who is surrounded by the Father in Jesus' name. Amen. He knows this stuff. And he knows. All right. The second thing we've got to do, as well as to learn to love the, the world we're in, live the world that we're in, I want to ask you this. What's your turkey called? All right. It's one of those days. (laughs) What's your turkey called? 
don't name your turkey, okay? But when you go to cook it, I'm eating Roger. I mean, it'll take this kind of, it'll take the joy out of it. You know what I mean? Anyway, so in May I was in Chicago. I was there two weeks ago as well. Sorry, don't. I mean, it's a nightmare. Anyway, okay. So I, this time I took Judith. Okay, I took the power and the anointing, and um, and we were off on a retreat. Some of these guys again. Joey was there with a couple of other guys, and uh, again, these guys are going to. They're all coming to Planting Heaven in January, and they're all they're all going to adopt churches here. So I'm keeping everybody sweet. That's what I'm doing. And so we go off on this retreat uh, in a place called South Havens. Okay, have you ever seen one of those like New England fo- photographs in the fall? all those yellowy leaves, Bernie, it was just like that. Let me show you a picture. I went for a run. Could it, could, there it is. Look at that, right? This was sort of 6.30 in the morning, and it was just that on acid on speed, okay? We were staying in an Airbnb somewhere about here. This is on the way back. And you can tell I'm not much of a runner if I can take photographs like that, okay? It's, it's more of a leaning forward walk. <laughs> it's more like that. Anyway, I, I'm jogging up here, and about there, okay, I see these two sort of ducks on the middle of the road. And I thought, right, right, ducks on the road, lovely. Camera at the ready. And I'm jogging up, and I'm getting closer. So I get to about this mailbox, like I'm doing here, parking lot mailbox. And I noticed they weren't ducks. They were turkeys. <laughs> and I have to tell you, Mervyn, Mervyn, they weren't your friendly Irish turkeys they were they were more of a tattooed gun-toting version they were this high and one of them was from the Bronx he had an accent that's him anyway I'm running with my eye on these two you can take that put the other one back look at the throat on that thing take look uh, you put the other picture of the road on. That's that. Put that other one better. Okay. And I'm running up here, right? And I'm thinking, I've never met a wild turkey. I don't know what to expect, the wild turkey. So I'm jogging away. And then I get up level. So there, I'm on the footpath. They're on the road. I get level. And then they come over. The worst fear. And so I start to run a little bit faster. <laughs> and one of the turkeys went off into the hedge and, oh, puck, peck, poke, whatever they do, eating and stuff. And then, but the other one with the attitude, the tattooed one, <laughs> with the stubble, right? He, he came up behind me. I'm giving him a he, okay? Right? It's bound to be a he. It has to be a he. And he comes up behind me. I can hear him. And uh, so I go a bit faster, and then he goes a bit faster. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with a turkey. What will it do? Will it attack? Will it eat you? I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm no, I can't Google, what will a turkey do? I'm no, no signal, I'm nothing. So I thought, I know, I'll go onto the road. It's early, there's no one there, there's no cars. I'll go onto the road. So I go over the road. Whoa, this thing comes, it comes over the road beside me, and I'm like, oh, this never happens to anybody else. It's always me. Why is this stuff happening? And so I turned around. I gave it a kind of a, a rear boot shoe. You're like, shoe. I got there. What was I thinking? Was it going to grab it with its wings and pull it? I don't know what it was. So uh, and I ran on. Whoa, this thing is coming up behind me. I'm going off. 
So I get to the kind of junction of where the, the Airbnb house was. It was kind of up there and down a bit. And I said, I can't bring this into the house. It's, it's going to follow me all the way to the door. And it's flapping its wings a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it was almost like it was Tyson. Like, Come on, big lad. Oh my, that's what I felt. And all my Irishness left me. Anyway, I thought, I'm going to have to do something. So I just stopped and I turned around and I made myself big. And I went, ah! And it went, whoa! Like that there. And then it just walked off into the hedge. And I'm like, praise the Lord. And that was it. And I kind of walked back into the thing going, and I got into the house and I says, you'll never believe what happened. I've been viciously attacked by two wild turkeys. And they went, right, let's go and get them. I says, let's go. We get into the car, not a turkey to be seen. And to this day, to this day, right, they don't believe me. In fact, they call me now in Illinois the wild turkey. That's what they call me. It's disgraceful. It really is. It's awful. When I look at the Bible, I'll bring this back now, okay? When I look at the Bible, right, David from the Psalms, remember David? David, he ran from a few turkeys himself. And I love it in Psalm 18, right, because he writes about it. And, then when he, and, and he writes about one day when he'd had enough of the turkeys that were chasing him, all right? This is what he said. And it was the Psalm that he wrote, Psalm 18, all about, you know, when Saul tried to get him and then he turned around and whatever and had enough. And in Psalm 18, he says this, uh, Psalm, in, in verses 37, 38, he says, I pursued my enemies and I overtook them. I did not turn back until they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. And my point is this. David had this moment where he had to turn around, make himself big and go, ah! And all the things that were coming up behind him, whether they're turkeys, whether they're enemies, whether they're habits, whatever it is in life, doesn't it always seem that there's something from your past nipping at your feet, glow at you, trying to chase you down the road? Just me? Come on, all of us, somewhere, sooner or later. In Colossians 3, all right, the message, verses 5 and 9, the message goes this way. And he says, he says, and that means killing off all your turkeys, connected with the way of death, the sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, all the little things, okay, doing whatever you feel like doing, whenever you feel like it, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God. We're all about a life that's shaped by God because that's where we are, by faith in him. And then he goes on, he says, you know, it's because of this kind of thing that God's about to explode in anger. And then he goes on, it wasn't that long ago that you were doing all this stuff because you didn't know any better, but now you know. So make sure it's all gone for good. Whatever the turkey is, what's your turkey called? What about this bad temper? Anyone got a bad temper? No one look at your husband. No one look at your wife right now. No nudges, please. You know, it's going to be a long, cold drive home. Anyone got bad temper, irritability? Anybody irritable? Meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. He says, it's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and you've put in the fire. Amen. Isn't it time for that to go? Don't you sense there's a new rising of holiness from the Holy Spirit? He's looking for a clean bride. He's looking for a holy bride. He's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. But you know what you can do when the turkeys rise up behind you? You can turn around, make yourself big, remember where you are, and go, in Jesus' name, 
I will not put on those clothes. They don't fit me. They don't suit me. It's not of me. I'm a new creation in Christ. That's what it's all about. We can walk away from that stuff in Jesus' name. Amen? So come on. Let's get a fight going. And, and see, see verse 5. Look at verse 5 of Colossians 3, the way the Amplified puts it. Look at this. So put to death, and here's why you should, because you deprive it of power. Yeah. It's like turkey fighting talk. <laughs> the evil longings of your earthly body. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. What you're doing when you remember where you are and the turkey starts to come up behind you, you can go, no, no. Because of where I am and who I am with, by God's strength and by God's grace, I can deprive lust of its power. The cross takes immorality, it takes the power away. It takes the power of it. Now, here's what's also implicit in depriving it of its power. If Paul says you can deprive it of its power, it means it has power. And that's the thing to be really mindful of. Lust has power. Immorality has power. Anger has power. All of these things have power. I know I can sound very northern with power. Power. Okay, thank you, brother. So put it to death. Understand what it has, but understand where you are. And because of where you are, you can deprive it of what it has. Amen? How good is God? Amen? Okay, the final thing. Would you, would you join me, Jody? Is that okay? Final thing is this. When you're ready. I've got a bit to say yet. We're not, we're not quite done, but... The third thing is this, let's return to the garden. Keep that video in mind. What this video reminds me is this, is that when God gets his hands in your life, when we rest in our hiddenness, then what he does is he forms you. He forms a version of you, of all the, the pebbles and the memories and the bricks and the, the separation and he, all of the stuff, all of the memories, all of the scars, all of the hurts, all of the highs and the lows and everything in between. And he, he goes on the beach, as it were, and he rearranges. And he forms a version of you. He forms the Eden version of you. Paul writes in verse 10, and this is the, this is the key. I love this verse. He says, And put on your new self, which is renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. It's almost like a verse you could just read through. But what stood out to me was, why, why the word creator? And what Paul wants us to do is to go back to the garden. He wants us to take note of the creator because he wants to remind us of creation. He wants to, and he means to connect us to the beginning of time and to the creation of humanity. He wants us to see that before the fall, Adam and Eve, they were representatives, the first humans. They were the first representatives of us all. They were, at the beginning, everyone, they were morally and ethically pure. And that was what it means to be in the image of God. They did not have God's looks. They had his nature. In a greater degree of fullness that we have it today, they were, before the fall, selfless. They were holy. They were righteous. They were called. They were equipped for purpose. They were made in the image of God, not, as I say, in His looks, but made in His nature. 
What the fall does is it distorts the reality and distorts the ability of humanity to carry more fully the image of God. We are still to some degree made in the image of God, but suddenly because of the fall, we are living life as a lesser version of what God intended. Amen? And the world plays testimony to this. How many people know other people that do not have hope? They don't feel a sense of purpose or calling. That feel they're connected to no one. They live beyond and outside of community, a sense of worthlessness. Paul is reminding the young church and to us that because of Jesus, because of where we are situated and because of where Christ is, we are a new creation. In Jesus, we have reconnected back to the garden. We are the Eden version. And as we do life with Jesus, he will form us and shape us and, and take one pebble at a time and rearrange all of those things, all the broken pebbles into a version of us that reflects the beginning of time. This takes a lifetime. We see the completed work because did you notice it was speeded up? That would take a guy all day. Maybe a day or two, I don't know. But with God, it takes time. So he rearranges all that. And only when we reach eternity as the fullness of that image of God, the image Deo in us is consummated. But in the meantime, I want to encourage you. Let us put our new self into his hands. It is uncontestably the safest place where you can ever be. I want to encourage you, and this is the big thrust of today's talk, agree with his word. And importantly, allow the reality of his word to determine your ways. He has touched your heart and he's touched your mind, the ethical and moral center of who you are. It's time to kill the turkey. It's time for you today, and this is how we will respond, it's time for you to name your turkey and end it. I'm going to the butchers. Sorry, all you vegetarians. Name your tofu. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I've just ruined the moment. And end it. It's time to name the turkey and kill it. And say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to deprive that. I'm going to allow the cross to deprive that of the power that it has on me. Come on, let's stand. Let's go stand. We love you, Lord. The rest of the band, you're free to come up, guys, as well. Please, let's get together up here. Let's pray. Father, we, um, and the, when I close, I want to invite, well, do you know what, let's do it now. Invite the prayer team. Prayer team, come on ahead up to the front and get yourselves ready. These guys are here. We're not going to do a, a call, an altar call this morning, but uh, this is a, a team that is dedicated to your care and um, your love. And so if you are needing prayer at the close of the service, please come forward and these guys will pray for you. They stand with you. But before we get there, we will we'll sing a little, but I, I want to pray and give us a moment to respond. I want, as always, for all of us in the room to step into the sermon. I want, I want the, you to incarnate the talk. I want you to imagine that road in South Haven's Michigan State. Paul, could you put the picture back up? Could we put the picture back up of that road? Is that okay? There we go. All right. Get that in your mind's eye. I want you to, I want you to, I want literally, you can close your eyes, but I want you to think you're there. And I want you to imagine what's chasing you. 
boys and girls, what out of that list of stuff, what's your turkey? Okay, now you have it. Now, look at me. I want you to remember where you are. On the road. I want you to remember who you're with. turkey seem as big so let's pray Father in Jesus name what I want to do Lord Jesus I want to come today I'm not going to get big I'm going to make you big in front of my turkey I want the newness of what you've done in my life God your grace your mercy your strength your power your glory Lord God to end end my turkey Lord, today we are depriving all our turkeys of power in Jesus' name. Whatever it is, whatever it might be, come on, let me read them to you. This is real. We're going to leave change today. We're going to leave change today. We don't need this. We don't need to know the name of your turkey, but we're not leaving the way we walked in. Sexual immorality, deprived of power in Jesus' name. Impurity, deprived of power. Lust, evil desires, and greed, deprived of power. It's all done. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. It's done. Lying. Father, with your strength and in your name, by faith, remembering where we are, that our new life is hidden in Christ, that we are surrounded. Who Christ himself is seated at the right hand of the Father. And Lord, your word tells us in Ephesians that we are at the right hand of Jesus. Lord, these things, these vestiges of our old life have no rule or reign in our new life. And so, Father, we cast them off like old, ill-fitting, filthy clothes that we will not return to in Jesus' name. And so, Father, as we sing this last song, as we worship together, as we lift up the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you will celebrate, help us celebrate our new liberty, celebrate our new freedom, as we embrace our new life, embrace our new self, as we embrace our new identity and posture that we have because of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, set some people free today in this room. Let's lift our feet, let's walk out, let's walk away, and let's move into everything, every fresh thing the great pebble Picasso of eternity has for us in Jesus name and everybody said amen come on let's worship the Lord together amen